It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. W-A-B-C Talk Radio 77 in New York. Steve Winwood brings us back. Remember, catch it night up next after this show. Undoubtedly, the biggest hit for this gifted artist, Steve Winwood. High love. So pleased to have with us on the telephone the editor-in-chief of The Federalist, also an amazing columnist, amazing author. She is the author of the book Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and Democrats Seized Our Elections, the one, the only, Molly Hemingway. Molly, what a pleasure to have you. It's great to be here with you. Well, Molly, what do you think of last night was yesterday was primary day. Uh, today, the left in America is a buzz. They are glowing. They are they are they are just besides themselves with joy and happiness because in Kansas, voters decided that they wanted to make sure that abortion rights were retained in the Constitution of that state. There were some other losses and gains. What's your take on primary day yesterday? Anything stand out for you? Well, the the Kansas race was a win for people who support abortion. I think that they should recognize a few things, though. One, it actually isn't in the Constitution of Kansas. I, I think it's at least arguable that it's in the Constitution. The Supreme Court of Kansas said that abortion was inside the Constitution. This ballot initiative was trying to clarify that it wasn't and that people could make restrictions. But the campaign against this ballot initiative was highly funded. It was full of misinformation. It was a resounding defeat for pro-life forces. But I don't think it's the end of the story because I actually think Kansas is a state that would like to be able to have at least some restrictions on abortion, which is the uh, mainstream position throughout the country. But um, overall, I think it's great to have a primary night. You get some answers to questions that you're wondering about the direction of the parties. And the Republican Party certainly had some increased solidification of the new direction it's going in. And what I mean by that is for decades, the Republican Party had kind of been stayed and stagnant and you know, was, had the answers to questions people hadn't been asking for decades. The new mm-hmm. Republican Party is much more vibrant, multiracial, much more working class, um, more diverse. And it's really addressing the problems people have with the economy, with the border, with cultural issues. And so Blake Masters winning in Arizona is a huge win. When he gets to the Senate, assuming he gets to the Senate, that will be the kind of powerful voice that represents that new Republican Party. Now, your counterparts in the mainstream press are saying, number one, that Kansas is a bellwether election. 
I don't believe it's a bellwether, bellwether election because of some of the reasons you just said. But it's so funny to me that every time they get a result they like in the primaries, oh, this is the bellwether, and every time they don't get what they want, they just skip right by that election as if it never happened. There is uh, the Michigan race that was watched closely where Representative uh, Peter Magier, who voted, one of ten to vote for Donald Trump's impeachment, lost a very close election, and there have been others that Trump endorsed that have won. So far, he's got a pretty good track record in the primaries. Would you agree with that? He is. There's a reason why people seek out his endorsement. It is a big, uh, it's a big help. That you saw last night that as soon as people thought that Peter Meyer might pull out a victory, they were writing all of the, what does it mean? And they said, oh, this shows that the party is moving away from America first principles. And um, it shows that Trump endorsements aren't all that they're cracked up to be because Kerry Lake is going to lose in Arizona and Peter Meyer is going to win in Michigan. Well, the fact that Peter Meyer did lose and Kerry Lake very well might win, I think she's, you know, she's pretty much ahead right now, shows the power of those endorsements. But it also shows that the Republican Party is just kind of sick and tired of those people who mostly what they do is serve the Democrat Party from the position of a Republican Party elected official. They are they would like more unity, people being focused on what are the actual threats in the country and that era of Republicans that the left likes. That's kind of a big indicator. Republican voters don't like the type of Republicans that the left likes. That is obvious, but what do you think? More and more. Your crystal ball, if you care to. Any predictions on how Liz Cheney will fare? I've never seen a Republican get more favorable press from the left in my entire life than Liz Cheney has gotten in the past six months. She has become a standard bearer hero to the left in this country. And they've gone out of their way to make sure that we know that in their eyes she is a, a, a hero. Any any prediction on how she will fare? Oh, I have quite a few. I used to live in Wyoming. I know a lot of people in Wyoming. The fact that she ever was a representative was not exactly a perfect match with the state. She'd spent very little time there. She you know, basically grew up and lived in northern Virginia, an area she does represent well. Um, and so mm-hmm. I expect her to lose significantly. She just doesn't like Wyoming voters or the issues they care about. And she's obsessed. I mean, she's she's just consumed by her hatred for Donald Trump. And that's fine. It's a free country. You can be that way. You don't get to represent the state that voted for him, you know, with 70 percent of the vote when your only thing that guides you is your hatred of one man. Do you think that she, by taking the position that she has that this is a long-term play for her. She must she must be politically astute to know she's going to lose this election. My guess is, and maybe this isn't so original, but my guess is she's waiting long-term. She thinks eventually the Republican Party will turn on Donald Trump and she will be in position to claim that she was the the guiding force, the the almost like a Churchillian move, that before everyone else... She was the naysayer, and she was the only naysayer standing in the wilderness. Do you think that's her play, or is she done politically? Yeah, no, one gets the feeling that all politicians have this outsized view of themselves where they're going to be the hero of the country, and she's no exception to that. I think she knows she's going to lose, but I think that even if she doesn't think she can run for president or have some other political comeback, 
I think her goal is to make sure that the party returns to that era that we had from like 2000 to 2016 of interventionist wars. I think she wants that very deeply. She cares so much about neoconservatism for in foreign policy. That's a thing that's very toxic for the Republican Party, but it's very personally important to her. That is the root of her hatred for Donald Trump, that he moved the country to an America first uh, focus on thinking about what America's interests are when we have a, a fight with another country or whether we're deciding whether to go to war with another country. She found that reprehensible. She wants to go back to this era, that brief interlude where Republicans moved away from an America first foreign policy into interventionism. Um, and she'd like to get back there. Do you think the move that some Democrats are doing and even that has gotten the blessing from the DNCC what Rush used to call Operation Chaos, but Rush only did it once, and he did it for a reason, to extend the primary season, not because he wanted Barack Obama to win. When he su- suggested that when Hillary was far behind that Republicans switch party, vote for Hillary, they did in scores, and it did help prolong that primary season. Democrats, though, are, are cynically supporting Republic, uh, Republicans in some cases that they believe are the easiest to beat because they are, quote-unquote, extremist, far-right-wing Trump supporters. Do you think that this has the capacity to come back and bite Democrats in the butt? That's what I would say. Democrat, this is a tried-and-true practice that a lot of people have done over many years. The big danger with doing it is that if you're not smart about how you do it, you end up picking nominees who are actually stronger than the ones that you're trying to unseat. But I also think that people are trying to make it out like there's a lot of complaints about how the Democrats supported Meyer or supported Meyer's opponent in that Michigan race. And they said that's why he won. No, I mean, Meyer should have won this handily. He should have won it easily. He's the incumbent. They have like a 95 percent success rate that he lost is partly because he voted for impeachment, which is very unpopular with Republican voters or doing anything else that's part of a Democrat dirty trick. It's also that he was politically not aligned. He was voting for big budgets. He was voting for um, some of these interventionist war things. He was voting for radical social policies that Democrats had pushed. Republican voters in Michigan did not think he represented them for a wide array of reasons. And the fact that Democrats supported his opponent is just is, is probably not as significant as they're making it out to be. Last question. Let's talk about your book. More people on the Republican side express concern that the elections coming up, whether it's the midterms or 2024, are not going to be fair. They look back at their thoughts what happened in the last election and said this wasn't fair this was a rigged election. Now you have the uh, spectacle of Democrats, which I, I mean Republicans, which I find this wonderful, actually volunteering to go into Democrat precincts to observe, in some cases, places that they've never bothered to observe elections before. Your book, Rigged, How Media, Big Tech, and Democrats Seized Our Elections, Do can you talk to us about why you wrote the book, the important salient points in your book, and whether you think the next elections coming up are going to be fairer, fair, or just as bad. 
Okay, lots to lots to cover there. But the reason why I wrote the book is because Democrats have paid a lot of attention to elections and Republicans have not. And it hasn't served Republicans well. We saw in 2020 the Democrats have basically completely overtaken the process in a way that was not fair and that caused a lot of people concern. And I thought people needed to know exactly what they had done. So I focus a lot on things like the private takeover of government election offices with those Zuckerbucks. Mark Zuckerberg gave a bunch of money to run Democrat get-out-the-vote operations from inside government offices. And the, the good thing about 2020 is that Republicans finally woke up to the need to do oversight and care about their election processes. And you're never going to have a perfectly fair or perfectly unfair election. The goal of Americans of both parties should be to have as free and fair of an election as possible, one that's trustworthy and one that doesn't disenfranchise people. And we've gone back and forth on that for hundreds of years. We are in a position now where Republicans are finally realizing they need to get out there. They need to volunteer. They need to pay attention to what their election laws are. And the good news is a lot of states have improved their election security. The bad news is a lot of states have a long way to go. And so the best thing I can recommend right now, though, is get involved, know your state laws, volunteer. We have don't just have election day. We have election seasons. So there's a lot of time and need for volunteers to make sure that there aren't shenanigans going on um, and to, to just be part of the process. It's very important. And I would urge everyone that is interested in elections, if you want to speak with people about it, you should become armed with the facts. Rigged. How the media, big tech, and Democrats seized our elections. Molly Hemingway. You can find it wherever you buy books. This is one that you need. Molly, thank you for joining us. Hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you. Take care. Molly Hemingway on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back. Your call's coming up, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after this.